Google just released a pair of headphones that can translate 40 languages instantly. They say it's a great way to travel to a new country and find out everyone's making fun of you. <laughs> that is awesome. Does it work very well? Don't Holy cow, how cool would that be if I just go to any country in the world, put on the headphones and walk around and, and can hear it in English? Awesome. Yeah, that would be amazing. Oh, hell yeah. And, and how about the problem we've had in schools for so long? With the non-English speaking kids. Oh, my God. Throw on the headphones. The teacher can just keep talking in English. It has brought learning to a halt in a lot of schools, particularly in your uh, liberal enclaves of the West Coast. Nobody wants to talk about that. Well, I don't want people to think I'm racist, but uh, they can't teach the kids anymore. That's awesome. Although you, you without the immersion, you, you wouldn't learn English. So there's that's the downside. But. So uh, do you have any information on this, Sean? What do they cost? What's the, what's the deal? It's all about software, I'd imagine. It's not like they're magic headphones. but um, I, They don't have a price on it I, yet that I I've had seen. assumed they were magic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, it was uh, announced alongside their new Pixel smartphones, and these are called Pixel Buds. Um, but, uh, but yeah, very little information so far that I've, that I've seen on it. But it sounds fascinating, and I, I only know about it, or not know about it, but I'm, I'm intrigued by it because I love it when reality kind of replicates art and the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy one of my favorite series of books they have the babblefish in that where it's a this alien thing that you put in your ear boom instantly you can talk to people from from different planets blah 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 it's going to put all those nice translators at the un out of work though Mm. everybody's sitting there in their headphones staring ahead waiting for the translation laughing at the jokes 30 seconds late uh so yeah it's a a great time to be alive listen uh, just a tip uh, fellow parents um keep your kids away from the radio and tv today if you haven't heard the headline, they found Santa's bones. We got a text from a guy, actually mm. posted on our Facebook page. He was listening with three of his kids, like oh my 10, God. 5, and 3 or something. Oh, my God. When we talked about they that's found Santa first, Claus's that's bones. That's your first mistake. He said, I want to know how you're going to make this up to my family. <laughs> I will probably need to come to a settlement of some sort. You know, I, I tweeted the picture of us from way back in the day when we were both wearing our elf suits. Mm. We could, <laughs> That's not good. We could don our uh, elf suits and come over and entertain his kids. Why were, we, why were we at the mall in elf suits? What were we doing? I think we were interviewing people. Yeah, I think it was, it was a bit. It was mm-hmm. a, a radio bit. We were trying to, it was supposed to be entertaining as opposed to profitable. <laughs> it was supposed profitable. to be entertaining. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I think the intent was we were trying to do some, I can't yeah. remember what, but yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. We're we're asking people a bunch of questions about Christmas, mm. and uh, what what's what's in eggnog? That sort, <laughs> of, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. a Jimmy Kimmel sort of elf yeah. tears. Exactly, elf, elf tears. Elf tears. <laughs> well, now that they've discovered Santa's bones, Saint Nicholas to be uh, more specific. So, so I was uh, really uh, really thinking we could talk about California becoming a sanctuary state here, which is clearly a uh, shot at. Trump. Uh, it's it's virtue signaling. It's got to interact with federal government. Um, uh, the idea that you can't uh, turn people over for being illegals from your jails. Uh, you can't help because then people will be afraid to report crimes. This is a theory that has been refuted by every single cop we have asked and talked to. Every single one, except your big city chiefs of police who are political figures. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, uh, here's another story. I, like I say, I was going to talk about that. I wanted to talk about that. It, 
What was it's it? happened. It will be in the courts soon. But isn't the latest polling that even in California, most people disagree with that idea? Uh, the most recent polling I've seen, although it's sliding now, uh, more and more people are saying, well, yeah, I guess uh, I've heard it's racist to be against this, so I guess I'm for it. I mean, uh, these are nice, hardworking people. Oh, come on. It's got just logic has died. People are just so so desperate to signal their virtue and to come off as enlightened and pro-diversity, blah, blah, blah. They suspend their logic, the most basic and easy-to-understand principles. For instance, listen, if you have laws, you have to enforce them. Doesn't uh... You don't get to es- evade the law just because your ethnicity has a lot of people in the other place. Doesn't, Change the law. Doesn't the Supreme Court have to decide, like today, whether or not a state can do that? Yeah, there's some interesting Tenth Amendment issues about whether the federal government can compel a state to carry out a federal law enforcement. And, and they they can't, although it, it's, it's more complicated than that. And I don't want to bore everybody to tears. But, yes, it will end up in the courts in a big hurry. And why wait? Why wait? Let's get started. But anyway, I don't want to talk about that because I want to talk about this. You know, uh, California's ancient and allegedly syphilitic governor. I've only heard that from you. Jerry I've never Brown. heard anybody Broadcast else say that. Broadcast reports say the governor of California <laughs> has severe mental illness problems because of the late stages of syphilis. Hmm. Broadcast reports. Anyway, so he's got a couple of things going on if you're not following this. Squandering at least $100 billion on a choo-choo train, the technology of the 1800s, that absolutely nobody wants. It is the greatest theft in the history of government theft. And the Delta Tunnels Project, which will drain the Sacramento River Delta and, and, um, and, and the freshwater of Northern California and pipe it to Southern California where they need water from somewhere. And so Uncle Jerry has this twin tunnels project that's going to, you know, reroute the water. Well, the Delta Tunnels project was getting going. A San Francisco engineering firm had outbid its competitors and won a $60 million contract to help plan the project. But some officials at the California Department of Water Resources weren't happy with a manager that the company had assigned to help oversee the planning process. Who knows what sort of conflict they had. What the state did next, and this is according to the Sacramento Bee, was the focus of a highly critical state audit release Thursday. State Auditor Elaine Howell charged that the Department of Water Resources directed, God, there's so many different, um, directed the company um, that they had hired to replace its employee with the president of a Sacramento consulting firm that didn't have any of the qualifications to do the job in what amounted to a no-bid, multi-million-dollar contract that violated state contracting laws intended to ensure public dollars aren't being wasted on unqualified firms. So, in other words, the state heavyweights said, you got to fire your guy, we got a crony. You're going to give him millions of dollars. It's millions of state dollars, but we're going to funnel it through you to our crony. He's got the job now. And the company said, he doesn't know what he's doing. And they said, you're going to hire him if you want the work. That's straight out of The Sopranos. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. like when Polly Walnuts was, in theory, you know, in the garbage business. <laughs> 
<laughs> a whistleblower cited in the audit raised questions about whether uh, DWR, the water resources people, an agency in charge of overseeing billions of dollars of state water infrastructure, as well as the $17 billion tunnels, is routinely giving sweetheart no-bid deals to contractors without vetting them. Cronies, in other words. So the Crony Express, the idiot ripoff bullet train, has now been joined by the crony tunnels. Remember when Polly Walnuts was like employee of the month at the garbage place? I had a picture of him on the wall. I remember every single thing Polly Walnuts ever did. <laughs> he had a grim look on his face. Like, under, underneath it said employee of the month. Of course, he'd never been there. <laughs> so he didn't piss anybody off. It's so. funny when it's on TV. It's not funny when it's actual government. You know, I tell you what. Uh, you know, I've said this enough. I'll Chevy Chase, whatever happened to that guy? Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> In the matching tracksuit. Oh, I love that guy so much. With his with his uh, white walls. What do you call his? Oh yeah, his wings. His wings. His hairstyle. His New Jersey mobster hairstyle. I tell you what, you people who want bigger government, you don't understand that your money is just put into a big trough in D.C. or Sacramento. In the case of of California, corruptifornia. and 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 all the, the the predatory beasts, they come and they feast. On your tax dollars, and they lap it up, and it's just—it's just amazing. Thanks you know, for taking my money, asshole. Whoever, uh, whoever this whistleblower is, I tip my cap to you. Had to take balls to stand up in the midst of the uh, the feeding frenzy in Sacramento and call somebody on it. So once again, we have the question of: Is Donald Trump brilliant or uh, making a huge mistake? Some people think this decertifying the Iran deal is he calling it off will lead to nuclear war. Or some people think it's a smart move, and we'll uh, figure that out with uh, somebody from the Weekly Standard. Yeah, the, what does decertifying it even mean? The art of decertifying the Iran deal. And also, I believe Donald Trump's not on the same page as the Secretary of State, the SecDef, and some other people on this. Is that correct? That's what they say. There are divisions, Jack. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Iranian regime supports terrorism and exports violence, bloodshed, and chaos across the Middle East. That is why we must put an end to Iran's continued aggression and nuclear ambitions. They have not lived up to the spirit of their agreement. But then I saw a general on TV the other day when he was being questioned saying, uh, this deal has stopped Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Interesting to discuss that contrast and much more. We welcome Michael Warren, senior writer at the Weekly Standard of the show. He has written, uh, co-written an article with the fabulous Stephen Hayes, The Art of Decertifying certifying the Iran Deal. Michael, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. I also saw your editorial board put out a piece saying Trump is right on Iran, so I guess that's the direction you guys are going. Yeah, well, look, we, um, uh, we've we always been critical of the Iran deal ever since, uh, really even before it was brokered. Uh, the way it was brokered, the way that President Obama's administration was focused uh, entirely on the nuclear deal as part of its Iran strategy. Meanwhile, there was uh, a democracy movement early on during the Obama administration in Iran that the administration did really nothing to promote. Uh, Iran continued to 
uh, fund groups through the IRG, the, uh, C, the Iranian, uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, fund terrorist groups across the Middle East, uh, supporting Hezbollah, uh, siding with uh, Bashar al-Assad in Syria, uh, and uh, generally causing chaos and destruction. And the Obama administration was uh, essentially pursuing this nuclear deal uh, uh, besides all, aside from all of those other concerns. Uh, and uh, it was a bad deal uh, when it finally came out, and it continues to be a bad deal. So the problem is is that the way the deal was construed, the way it was set up, uh, it's very, very difficult for anybody, including President Trump, to get out of it in a way that's responsible and achieves the problem, uh, rather achieves a solution to the problem of Iran trying to get nuclear weapons capability. Let's uh, get some basics down here. What would it mean to, quote-unquote, decertify the Iran deal? Does that mean it's over? No, it does not. Uh, It's complicated. So, again, this goes to the problem that President Obama did in setting the deal up as it is. This was not a treaty in the traditional sense, uh, and the Senate did not ratify it. That's a pretty big a pretty tall order that, that I think Obama realized was never going to happen. So instead, Congress passed a law that uh, that required uh, the president, whoever the president was, and now it's President Trump, to certify. I heard a chuckle days. there. Well, there, was, there was a chuckle there. You chuckled before you said that. <laughs> and now it's <laughs> President Trump. I'm not right. exactly I sure where you did I don't think the uh, I don't think uh, originally when the law was passed they expected President Trump to be the president, um, but that's the way it is. The, the, the law requires the president to certify a number of things that Iran is cooperating and uh, with the deal, and that it's in the best national security interest of the country. Uh, and that was the those were the conditions under which Congress would pull back from economic sanctions that were sort of the crux of the deal, uh, and so decertifying is something that doesn't end the deal immediately, but it certainly changes uh, the nature of the United States' involvement in the deal. It kicks the question of whether uh, Iran is, uh, is in compliance with the deal, whether the, whether the United States needs to impose new sanctions. It kicks that to Congress. It opens that up for debate, and it, it provides an opportunity for the United States to renegotiate uh, the deal. Interesting. Okay, so it's uh, it no longer checks the box. It says we have to take a serious look at whether we're going to check the box. So kind of an interim situation. Michael Warren, senior writer at the Weekly Standard, is on the line. Michael, the realist's uh, criticism of, of, of this maneuver is that it's going to be impossible to cobble together any significant international sanctions again. What do you say to that? Is that oh, oh, too simple? Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's impossible. It's uh, very unlikely uh, and very difficult to do that. And I, I would say particularly with uh, President Trump, because this is uh, a president who uh, the key factor here is the European allies. These are European, the big European countries, France and Germany and others, um, who have economic interests and are trying to expand their economic interests in Iran. Um, that's that's going to be difficult no matter who was the Republican president to uh, undo the deal or to renegotiate it, but particularly with Trump, who uh, who makes it more difficult for these European leaders simply don't like him. Um, but I think it was a tall order anyway. Um, but but the, the issue is, and this is something the administration is you know, telling me and, and, and others who are reporting on this, is that the Europeans 
uh, maybe at the next level down, uh, sort of recognize that, that the, the, the conditions of the deal are pretty weak and need to be fixed. And so that seems to be uh, maybe the next step here. And, and this is where the sort of most hawkish on, on Iran, uh, where, where, you know, the people like John Bolton say, uh, that this is this plan that the administration appears to be pursuing is too conciliatory, and then that that the United States should just blow up the deal. That causes all kinds of problems here too. Again, this is not a problem really of the president's making. It's a problem of the previous president's making in negotiating this deal that is kind of impossible to get out of. Interesting. Michael Warren of the Weekly Standard. And again, the editorial board at the Weekly Standard saying uh, Trump is right on the Iran thing. And uh, if you don't know this, the Weekly Standard was not exactly pro-Trump during the election. Right, right. Well, interesting. We'll have to see, Michael. It's been a source of frustration for me for decades now that we haven't found a way to uh, to to shake the mullahs and the uh, the um, what's the the guard, the. Um, the Iranian Revolutionary the Guard. The Revolutionary yeah. Guard, yeah. Uh, it's it been so frustrating that we haven't been able to shake them loose because I think the will of the Iranian people is definitely uh, liberalization and interaction with the West and commerce and the rest of it. Uh, the hardliners are definitely a minority in that country, and I just wish we could find a way. Well, it's, it's difficult, and it becomes more difficult when... Uh, it's not, you know, the United States and the sort of the, the Western countries, the civilized countries, don't insist on calling out Iran for its bad actions. I mean, again, the IRGC is essentially a terrorist group, and one of the things the uh, administration and, and hawks are calling the administration to do is to uh, designate them as such. Um, and, and of course, opening up uh, so much Western money by re- re- reducing these sanctions or repealing these sanctions on Iran. Uh, really sort of um, indirectly or not validates a lot of uh, the the Ayatollah's actions. And, and you're absolutely right. Remember, it was just, uh, you, know, uh, a li- you know, half a lifetime ago that Iran was essentially a forward-looking, progressive, uh, almost like a Western country uh, under the Shah with lots of problems, but uh, but but now uh, for the past forty years it's been under this this tight grip of a uh, a, a very revolutionary uh, and um, and radical group of of mullahs who kill Americans as quickly as they can. Uh, Michael Warren, senior writer at the Weekly Standard. Michael, it's great to talk to you. Give our best to Mr. Hayes, please. Uh, thanks. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate Sorry. it. Our pleasure. Um. See, the, the Obama administration sold their soul to get the nuclear deal, and their soul is any leverage they have to get Iran to behave in the region. And now we, we've got nothing. So they're not. <sighs> well, Marshall's got the story coming up. Was uh, Trump referring to Iran or North Korea? <laughs> or the his, next hurricane. With his little joke about the calm before the storm. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we'll get into that D.C. buzzing about what Donald Trump was telling reporters last night. Turns out... One of the president's most important aides' personal cell phone was compromised for months. And right now you got top Dems bailing out on embattled movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. We'll tell you who is leaving the room minutes from now, Armstrong and Giddy. Unbelievable. Well, they should have. Well, the, the disappointing part is they probably most likely knew he was this kind of guy all along, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a picture right now of Lisa Bloom 
Gloria Elred's uh, daughter, the great crusading women's rights uh, attorney, she's sitting laughing with the woman who brought down Bill O'Reilly in this picture as she's defending Harvey Weinstein. Just who did much worse, clearly, than Bill O'Reilly. Oh, my God, the hypocrisy. It's mountainous. Um, and we need another nugget of weirdness from the scumbag killer as we're trying to figure out what his deal is. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, scumbag idiot ate at the, uh, like, old folks' home place where they gave out cheap meals for seniors there really? in Mesquite, even though he had millions of dollars, a couple of airplanes, gambled $10,000 on a, a slot machine pole. Everybody recognized him down there from the uh, the old folks giving out $3 meals home where he would go eat his meals a couple times a day. Yeah. He was yeah. all kinds of strange. Well, it's seeming more and more clear to me, and I don't know, but I think, mentally ill, reaction to psychoactive drugs, Combined with a bit of a uh, superiority complex. Truly, truly strange, disturbed dude. And uh, just decided this is what he wanted to do. Also, he was... And, and the fact that he was playing video poker for hours. Day of, day yeah. before. Yeah. I mean, that speaks to... You know, it's like uh, Joe Biden's probably apocryphal uh, tale about staring into Putin's eyes and saying, you have no soul. This guy, for whatever reason, had no soul. Yeah, you couldn't put down the video poker the day before you're going to slaughter a whole bunch of people. It's still that important to you. And he had a girl with him, according to some reports, that wasn't this girlfriend, obviously, uh. who was out on the other side of the world or wherever she was. Um, yeah, some girl with her. So they're trying to find her. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, D.C. is certainly buzzing about what happened last night when White House reporters were suddenly summoned to the White House and told the president wanted them to document a dinner he was having with his military leaders and their wives. The reporters were led to the Grand State Dining Room. When they walked in, the president, along with his highest-ranking military aides and their wives, were all posing for a group photo. Then Trump gestured, gestured rather, to the reporters in the room. You guys know what this represents? Well, maybe it's the calm before the storm. What's the storm? Could be the calm, the calm before the storm. What storm is the Did he All say? Right. Did he say maybe the calm before the storm? Is that the first thing he said? Yeah. Okay. It's maybe the calm before the storm. So he's picturing this being a photo that people look back on and say this was right before all the s hit the fan and World War Three started or whatever. I guess. And now it's coming out before the dinner. Trump had reportedly been meeting with the military advisors, and they were talking about possible options for dealing with both Iran and North Korea. All right. If I'm General Kelly's chief of staff, I'm saying, all right, Mr. President, with all due respect, today, for one day, let's try not to speak in riddles. All right? Don't speak in riddles for one day. One day. This is one day you won't forget. No! You see? You did it again! What does that mean? Nobody knows. Stop speaking in riddles. You are right. Every day there's a what did he mean by that. Yeah. Every day. Whether it's about something small or very large. In Sometimes this case, very things large. that are very small turn out to be large after I'm done. 
All right. All <laughs> right. And, Joe, you're just referring to uh, General Kelly. Well, the White House apparently thinks the chief of staff Kelly's personal cell phone was breached. According to Politico, officials found out his phone was compromised over the summer when he turned it into the West Wing's tech support because it wasn't working properly. Don't. And here is the worst part. The issue had allegedly been going on for months, perhaps as far back as December. What no one does seem to know is when exactly the, the device was breached or if any data was accessed. Kelly is using a different phone now. No word on what happened to the original device. We live in an era of constant savage attack and counterattack over computers and, and computerized devices. It's really wild. I want to point this out. Federal jobs report for last month uh, was released this morning, but the numbers are even more skewed than usual. Because of the hurricanes that hit Texas, Florida, and Puerto Rico, the U.S. lost more than 30,000 jobs last month. Storms obviously slamming hiring. And some people say it's the first one-month job loss in seven years. Well, it is a result of the storms that swept through those states. Is Puerto Rico included in statistics for jobs? I believe so. Really? They will be uh, next month, though. They were interested in this yeah. one. Wait, how many people know that? Not Third very many territory, people. Jack. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> it has been known. Well, I know Joe Giddy's been telling us that. Yes. It has been known for some time that Neanderthals have interbred with our ancestors before. Uh, long before the other species died out some 30,000 years ago. Yeah, once you go brow, you'll <laughs> certainly know how well, or something. Joe, wow. now, research, now research indicates that between 1% and 3% of the genetic code for all humans of European or Asian descent comes from Neanderthals. And what percentage now? 1% to 3% of the genetic code of all humans. Of us. Well, just, I am in the 99th percent of so many measures, including the amount of Neanderthal I DNA. See. It's One, loudly. two, three. That's right. That's how my people would. Do we have the full thing? This is how scientists think Neanderthals would sound. That there were several of those, Sean. Don't give me that look. <laughs> <laughs> that, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and that's how the Neanderthals And that's how we talk. would woo women. So, you ever want to get together for dinner? One, two, three. Up until just a couple of yeah. years ago, the belief, science believed, that Homo sapiens and Neanderthals did not interbreed. Right. Right. Now it's just given that, yeah, a lot, and we've all got a little Neanderthal, and it's a pretty major change in the way they see those two uh, those two groups. What? You know what we used to call Homo sapiens back in the day? <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you. I can't on the air, but, oh, yeah. We saw the looks. We saw the prejudice. Come on. Neanderthal walk into a Homo sapien store, follow us around, see if we're going to steal something. Sick of it. Neanderthals were as smart as us too, yeah. which is another thing they've just recently learned. Oh, at least, yeah, as maybe smart. smarter. Sure. One last note: uh, they are uh, heading uh, for the door. Democrats donating campaign contributions given to them by Harvey uh, Weinstein amid sexual <laughs> harassment allegations against this the is producer. Beautiful. Everybody knew it was happening. They knew when they took the money it was happening. But now that it's out, oh, oh I, I'm shocked. Uh, I'm outraged. Uh, here's the money back. New York Times says several Democrat uh, Democratic senators, including Elizabeth Warren, have started moving Weinstein campaign contributions over to charities. Oh, 
Focahontas giving back the wampum. Huh? How oh many times? <laughs> how many times, like, after yeah. a banquet in which he's given an award right. for uh, championing women's rights, did he then open his robe for some woman in his hotel suite and try to convince her to... I bet probably regularly. He only Brought did himself that out if there was a woman present, Jack. Right. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Yeah, I'm Strong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Leaving Great the conference. Champion. Leaving the conference room. Shower show, my room, 20 minutes. Yeah, who wants to watch me take a shower now? That <laughs> who wants to me have to... a career tomorrow? Yeah. Come with me. That's unbelievable. And completely believable at the same time. And that's had to be going on for many decades, right? You know, Jack, some people believe that power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm. I would tend to agree with that. Uh, So even more data out there that getting some exercise is so great for you in so many different ways. Keeping away dementia and and keeping you from getting diseases and that sort of thing. i got to remember this and i got to get more exercise. It's what we need as a beast. Speaking of Neanderthals, no one's saying we're designed to get, to be moving around. And when we don't, our body kind of says, ah, I guess you don't want to live anymore. Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey there. I was looking at the most popular section of uh, New York Times. I like to check that every now and then. They got this thing most popular. It's which articles are people clicking on the most, sharing the most. Yeah. And the most popular today is decades of sexual harassment accusations against Harvey Weinstein. Mm. So uh, I'm glad that people are paying attention to that, even though he's beloved by the New York Times crowd as a champion of liberal causes. Certainly. Um, And then the third Mm. most popular story, Brett Stevens, recent addition to the New York Times, columnist from the Wall Street Journal, Lot of lot of blowback when the New York Times hired him because he's a conservative, certainly by their standards. By their standards, yeah, yeah, which plays into this. Um, and the first article he wrote about something, man, people canceled their subscriptions and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> How Got dare you, you hire a conservative? Uh, the opinion page is supposed to have a variety of opinions. That's the whole opinion page thing on the newspaper. <laughs> but please, who, who are you talking to? Uh, you might as well explain the days of the week to a dog. Here's his column. I'm sorry, that was demeaning. I retract it. <laughs> it was demeaning to dogs. Oh, come on. That oh, old... that was even more demeaning. I retract that, too. <laughs> and apologize for it. I'm sorry. I'm a Christian man. <laughs> it's a gay bomb. <laughs> um, but here's his column today. Brett Stevens in the New York Times. Repeal the Second Amendment. It sounds like political mission impossible, but it's the only meaningful way to stop the killing. All right. Wow. Thanks for that. You're an idiot. Wow. He's not just, uh, you know, finally need to get some movement on gun legislation or anything like that. Repeal the Second Amendment. But but I have said for a long time, and, and, and nobody says this out loud, good for him for saying it out loud if that's what he believes, there are lots of people in government and in the media who believe that. They just don't think they can say that out loud because, you, you know, it just... It's too embedded in American culture, but you're right. There's yeah. a lot of politicians. If they had their choice, if they were king for a day, could do anything. They'd absolutely repeal it completely. The minority leader of the House of Representatives would absolutely. Oh yeah, we haven't played the clip of her, Nancy, who has uh, armed guards everywhere she goes. Right? Yeah. Um, we haven't played the clip of her, which was interesting. They're going to say if you give them bump stock, it's going to be a slippery slope. I certainly hope so. 
Uh, that was an interesting thing to say. I'm sure she does hope so. I'm not sure it was good politically for her side or anybody's side when I was talking the other day about they can't get this abortion legislation through because people see it as a slippery slope, even though almost everybody agrees with the idea that after 20 weeks you're, you're getting into just awful territory. The the the, the right-to-life side, um, the pro-life side says, no, you can't give anything or it'll end up overturning Roe versus Wade. I'm sorry, the pro-choice side. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just think that's a weird way to look at the world. It's certainly a weird, weird way to look at politics or where you draw lines. Right. Well, that's, it's one of those marks of a wedge issue that, uh, you gotta be, you must keep your base whipped up on both sides. It's imperative to getting elected. And a solution is the last thing you want in anyway, politics. Here's a columnist in the New York Times full on saying, let's repeal the Second Amendment. You know, I'd well, like to read his reasoning. I, yeah. uh, I I enjoy discussions of that sort. Um, I think he's out of his mind and it'll never happen. I mean, it won't come within a thousand miles of happening. But, you know, I'm curious to read his reasoning. I, I admit, listen, as a gun, uh, gun owner, a supporter of gun rights, a big Second Amendment guy, I am intrigued by the question of... Um, the founding fathers who could not conceive of weaponry as sure. sophisticated um, and and uh, murderous as we have right now. I mean, from uh, from the uh, obvious automatic weaponry to uh, cruise missiles to the atomic bomb. Um, what is their view of the right of the citizen to defend itself from unlawful government incursion? Uh, how how far does that reach? I mean, it's a hell of a th- interesting theoretical discussion. Um, and until we reanimate James Madison, right. we'll never know. What's the right to bear arms mean? I have no idea if most of the founding fathers would say, you have what? No, no, no. People shouldn't have that. Right. Or or if they would say, oh, absolutely. In fact, I think people ought to be able to have tanks. Why should the government get something that human the, the citizens don't get? I don't know which side of it they'd be on. Right. I really don't. Right. But the reason I brought this up and I'm going to run out of time is the number two most popular article. I hadn't come across this one. The latest case in Japan of Karashi... Or Kuroshi, I don't know how you pronounce it. This happens now and then in Japan, and it gets a lot of attention when it does. Kuroshi is death from overwork. People who literally work themselves to death. Mm. And here's somebody who worked a 150-hour work week, 159-hour work week. No, 159 hours of overtime. So I don't know. What, I don't, <laughs> Are you sure they weren't a part employee? So I don't know how many hours you have to work in the work week before you get to 159 hours of overtime, but then die. Wow. And it's another case, high-profile case of Karoshi that the country's uh, talking about and whether we work too much and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. Talk Zilla. That's uh, too much work. Isn't that amazing? You, you got, stepped on my punchline. Sorry. That, <laughs> isn't it, it's a, you got countries where like people... Godzilla steps on a... Commuter train. Oh, my Godzilla is funny. That's pretty funny. Um, you got countries where people are working themselves to death, and it's part of their culture. Right. And then you got other countries in Europe where people just lay around all day right. long. You got Spain, where work is optional. You don't want to work? All right, no problem. We'll give you taxpayer money. Whatever. They, they were working 22.7 hours a day. See, that seems a little unlikely to me. No, nah, that can't be. Unless uh, well, 159. he pulled three consecutive right. all-nighters, you'd be psychotic. Well, the guy died. There's only 168 hours in a week. Maybe, was that, uh, what span of time was that, do we know? It was a hell of a lot of hours, and the guy's dead. So obviously, right. you know, something went sideways, but... Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, it was 159 hours of overtime in a month, plus the hours worked, which I don't know what their work week is. Right. Well, that's, that's still so that's, be a lot of that's hours. That's a, a minimum, then, probably, of 80 hours a week. Although, mm-hmm. remember, we were talking about the U.S. sailors. 
the the primary uh, suspicion among people in the know I've communicated with about why is the Navy having these problems is the guys are sleep deprived, overworked, and their brains are fried. She worked until midnight nearly every night. I don't know what time she went to work. Um, died of congestive heart failure at age 31, and they believe it's Karoshi, death from overwork, which is a problem regularly in Japan, apparently. Wow. It's one thing you'll never have to work. Uh, nah, I blew my own punchline. That's, I'm worried. Dang, that was going to be so good. I'm not I'm concerned. still rattled from Jack's lack of respect for my punchline. I'm blaming him. Oh, my Godzilla. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Not really. <laughs> nah, the more I hear it, the less I think it's funny. I retract that, too. Ah, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.